Hey, we want to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedules to join us on the JF Podcast. It is our hope that this most recent talk teaches you, inspires you, and challenges you to live the life you were designed to live. If this message has helped you in some way, help someone else by sharing it. And if you want more information about who we are, what we do, or you'd like to contribute to our community, you can find us at JolietNaz.org. Thanks so much for listening. Well, hello, everybody. It's so good to be here this morning. It's good to see you. It's good to see everybody healthy. This is that time of year when, um, you know, the junk is flying around. Uh, This is also, I think, the weirdest week of all weeks. Would you agree with that? Like, the week between Christmas and New Year's is just such a strange week. Like, everything that you usually do, you just decide for whatever reason not to do it. Um, Calories actually don't count this week. So, if you didn't know that, that's great. Uh, This is also... um, they say that this week is the week that a quarter of all the returns that will be done for the year are done. So if you're going to return something to a store, if you got something for Christmas and you're like, uh, this is apparently the week to do that um, because now we're sorting through all the things that we got. I don't know uh, what you got this year, if you got what you were asking for. Or, um, I asked earlier today, did, did anybody get a puzzle for Christmas? They get puzzles for Christmas. Okay. Uh, we got one puzzle. Now, honestly, somebody, wait, there's somebody down there that got one too. Um, Puzzles are interesting. Um, If it were me, I wouldn't be that excited about that particular gift, but some people are. I would remind the person who gave it to me that there is a thing called gift cards. Uh, They'd be more than welcome to give me one of those, but for everybody, it's different for everybody. But I think puzzles are interesting, Um, specifically this one that I have right here, because this is the puzzle of Henry VIII and his six wives. That's what this puzzle is, 750 pieces to put together Henry VIII and his six wives, which I would think it would take more pieces. Um, puzzles are interesting because you get to determine what kind of person a person is by giving them a puzzle, right? So you, you get the box, you open it up, and you look inside, and you, there's a bag usually, and you open the bag, and you pour out all the pieces, and you start flipping them over, and you put them where they're supposed to go, and you see what they all are. And then everybody has a strategy for how they want to go about the next step. Like some people are the people who put the boundaries up first, like the edges, and then build the stuff in the middle. I'm that person that just likes to start throwing stuff together. And just like, oh, does this fit? This doesn't fit. Does this fit? Oh, that looks like a picture. And then you start thinking, what is this thing supposed to be again? You start looking at the lid of the box, like, is this a cat? Is it a barn? Is it mostly sky? That's just just cruel. If it's just one color, then you're working all day with one color. Um, Here's why I, I feel like this is interesting. I feel like a puzzle is a great illustration of what most of us are doing as we head into this next year. We have this box of pieces that is our life. And we're trying to bring it into a new year and put it back, put it together to make sense of it, to see what is this next year going to look like and what is it that I want to do with this next year. It's a good idea because one of the things that we do in order to put our pieces together is we start making resolutions, like the video you just watched. And resolutions are interesting because resolutions are every year they're the same ones. I don't know if you know this, you can research the top 10 resolutions every year for the last 10 years. It's the same list. They're all in different order. We all want to stop doing something, start doing something, be healthier physically. We want to lose some weight. We want to go to the gym. We want to stop smoking, all those things. It's the same list every single year. And they tell us that 80% of our resolutions are dead by February. I think that's generous. 
Like for me, it's like second week of January, done for. Like I am already hitting the snooze button and I'm elbow deep in pizza rolls already again. Um, that's what we do. 80% of them are dead by February. And it's the same ones every single year. So the question is this, why do we keep making the same resolutions every single year? And every year we seem to fail at them. We seem to drop them by February, two months in. Here's what I want to do today. I want to invite you. I want to offer you an invitation that God is giving us regarding the puzzle that is our life for this coming year and to put it together in a little different way. We're trying to learn how to put this thing together, and the Bible is kind of helpful in this. Uh, There's actually a passage in the Psalms, Psalm 90. It says, teach us to number our days. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. That's beautiful, right? I love that. Teach us to number. Teach us to put together our lives so that our hearts can be overflowing with wisdom. There's just one little piece that's missing, which is how do we do that? How do we put things in order so that our hearts grow in wisdom? How do we put things together so that the, the mess or the meh that was last year changes? What do we do with these pieces? So I want to invite you to look at this through the eyes of what God might be doing in our lives in this coming year. So if we're going to do that, the first thing you do when you have a puzzle is you always start with the lid. Because without, if you just get a box of pieces without this, Good luck, because it's going to take a while to figure out what you're actually doing here. The lid to the puzzle is incredibly important. The lid for us this coming year is the vision of where we're headed. This is the end goal. This is where we want to be. And it's true, really, in any area of our life. You know, if you get all the best ingredients, you're going to make this incredible dish. You get the best ingredients in the world, but you don't have a recipe. All you really have is a big pile of groceries. If you get an orchestra together... The most talented musicians in the entire world with the most expensive instruments they could possibly buy. But you don't have sheet music. You don't have a piece that they're supposed to play. All you really have is noise. It's beautiful noise, but it's still just noise. You can have an excellent NFL offense, but without well-designed plays, you're just the Packers. Um, Without a bigger picture, we don't know where we're going. And that's why our resolutions fail, because we lack this bigger, better picture. I think about this when I think about people who are studying to be doctors. Medical residents, people who are preparing to be doctors, work like 80-hour weeks, and they get paid very little, and they're asked to do the grunt work that nobody else wants to do, and they do it constantly, night shifts, early shifts. They do that stuff, and they go for it. And why do they do that? Why would they subject themselves to that kind of life? The reason is, is because the picture on the top of the box of being a doctor is the strongest thing they could possibly imagine. It's worth it because of where they're going. One of the reasons our resolutions fail every year is because the picture on top of the box just isn't strong enough. It's not beautiful enough. It's not compelling enough. It's not strong enough to pull us through the middle of February when we're like, I'd really just like to go back to bed and eat myself back to sleep. We need a stronger picture. We need a stronger image. We need a stronger vision for the top of our box so that when we get frustrated, when we get frustrated, when we get anxious, we can just look at the box and go, okay, we're almost there. It's starting to look like this. It's beginning to come together. And that helps us to keep going. And so when Jesus talks about this vision, he paints this picture for us. Listen to what Jesus says in John 5. 
Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing on his own, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, the son does likewise. When Jesus starts talking about the picture on the top of the box, when he starts talking about the life that God has for us, because most of us, our resolutions are just part of our journey towards being closer to God. Every piece of our resolution that we make for this coming year is going to be something that draws us closer to the life that God has in mind for us. And when Jesus starts talking about that, when he starts talking about the top of the box, he says, if you want to know who God is, watch me. If you want to know who God is, look at me, look at my life, and that's how you'll know who he is. That's the vision on the top of the box. The vision on the top of the box is for you to become like me. Jesus gives us a vision of the God we'd like to actually live with. Jesus gives us a vision of the God we'd actually like to live with. And the interesting thing for me is I grew up, and when I was growing up in the church, I got a picture of God, and a vision of God, an image of God, that was what I would call the scary, shaming story of God. That God was an old white dude with a beard, which, let's be honest, God is neither old nor white nor a dude. He may have a beard, but I don't know about that. But that God is sitting up there somewhere, gripping a lightning bolt, munching on Tums, waiting for me to mess up so that he could blast me out of existence. That was the image that's on the top of my box. That was the picture of God that I grew up with. And so the hard part about that is when you start looking at the life of Jesus who said, look, if you want to know what God looks like, look at me. If the top of your box says that that's who God is, the scary, shaming story, the pieces that are Jesus' life just don't fit. When you see Jesus' compassion, it just doesn't fit with the tums-munching kind of God. When you see his inclusion of people that no one else wanted to be with, it doesn't fit with this exclusive idea of God. When you see Jesus hanging out with irreligious, irreparable kinds of people, it doesn't fit with this idea that God only wants the best and brightest. What Jesus is doing is changing the image on top of the box for us. And that's incredibly important because not only will that be the thing that we live towards, it'll be the people that we become. As the writer Dallas Willard once said, we become the God that we believe in. We become like the God we believe in. So if God is angry, irritable, and munching tums, then we're going to become just like him. Regardless of what resolutions we make, regardless of what promises we make, we will become like the God who's on the top of our box. If we believe in a God who casts out people who are different, we will become those kind of people as well. And so with Jesus' life, the most beautiful thing that Jesus does is he starts retelling the story. He starts repainting what the top of the box might look like. Instead of us making God fit into that picture of the scary, shaming story, Jesus says, let me tell you a different story. And he reaches all the way back into creation, like the very beginning of the Bible. God created everything, and he, God looked at everything that he saw, and he said, indeed, it was very good. And I love this phrase, very good, because in the original language, this phrase actually means exceedingly beautiful and excellent. God creates the birds, the bees, the trees, the seas, yous, and me's, and he looks at it and he says, it is very good, exceedingly pleasant and beautiful. And do you know what? For the rest of the story, he never goes back on that. God never changes his mind about whether you and I or all the things that he had made are very good. He never backs down. He never backs away. He says, this is who you are. One of the things my wife and I try to do as parents is that when we correct my daughter, we try not to go after the fact that she's wrong. 
Now, you may be like, well, that's going to backfire on you big time, buddy. No, no, it's not, that's not what we do. We don't go after the fact that she's wrong because what happens is, and what's happened to a lot of us is the way we were parented, we went from we did something wrong to we are something wrong. That suddenly it's not just something we did, it becomes our identity. It's who, I, who we are. So when we correct my daughter, we usually don't say you did something wrong. What we say is this isn't who you are. When she lies to us, we simply say this is not who you are. You were built and created as very good. This is contrary to who you're supposed to be. So instead of feeling guilty and torn up about it, just remember, this is not who you have to be. And for a lot of us, the top of our box has a God who's constantly telling us that we're wrong, when in fact, God is constantly telling us, this is not who you are. Before the longest lists of do's and don'ts in the entire Bible, the most famous one, the Ten Commandments, This is what God says. Before he ever says do or do not, he says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. Before he says do this and don't do this, he says, this is who you are and this is who I am. So now that we've got that out of the way, now that we can talk about what we do and we don't do, what we do and don't do in 2019 really should come more from who God says we are and who he says he is. That's just a more compelling top of the box. That is the top of the box that gets us through February. That's what gets us through whatever challenges we're going to face in this upcoming year. It's just not good enough to have a God who says, because I said so. It's wonderful to have a God that says, this is who you are, and this is who I am. Paul continues that on, and he says, listen, my beloved chosen ones, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion kindness, meekness, and patience. If Paul was the kind of parent that most of us had, he would start with, listen, you clothe yourself with compassion and meekness and kindness and patience right now or else. But that's not where he starts. He starts with, you are God's chosen kids. So, let's do this differently. The picture on the top of the box is of this compelling vision of God who says, this is who you are. That's why you do what you do. This is the kind of thing that's going to pull us through this upcoming year. The lid to Jesus' box, to his puzzle, shows us that God chooses us and that we're worthy to be chosen. See, if we go into this next year with that image in front of us, there's not much we can't do. If you know that you're chosen and that you're worthy of being chosen, whatever practices, habits, challenges, or obstacles that come up can be handled. Because when we look at the box, we're like, well, we, if this is true, I can do that. I can deal with my anxiety and depression if I know that regardless of that, I am one who is chosen and is worthy of being chosen. I can process through this divorce. I can deal with my addiction. I can deal with the conflicts with my kids. I can deal with my coworker who I'd really just like to slap. If I know that I'm chosen and I'm worthy of being chosen, I can handle that. I can handle that. The lid to Jesus' box shows us that we are chosen and that God believes in us sometimes more than we believe in ourselves. So that's the lid. You always start with the lid when you do any, if you're not a puzzle person, you always start with the lid. Without the lid, we're all pretty much struggling. But then the question becomes, what do you do with the pieces? What do you do with all these different chunks? This is a 750-piece. Man, this is, this is like 
professional level puzzle making. Um, what do you do with the pieces when it comes to that? What do we do with the pieces? I love the image that Jesus gives in the book of John, and this is from the message, and I love this translation. He says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Rivers of living water will brim and spill out of the depths of anyone who believes in me. This image of living water reminds me of an experience I had when I was in Kenya. And I was in this slum called the Mathari Valley. It's the second poorest slum in all of Kenya. It's also one of the most densely populated slums in all of Africa. And it's mostly populated with children. And through this, through this little slum, little, highly populated, but very small, through this slum there's this stream that flows. And it breaks off in different places, but it flows throughout the housing units. And this stream is filled with all sorts of filth that you couldn't possibly imagine. Garbage, human waste, you name it, it's there. And the kids in the village are kids, and so if they see a water source, they're going to play in it. And so a lot of times these kids are playing in and drinking from these heavily polluted streams. And so the kind of things that we would go to CVS and get a cream and take care of, they live with and it threatens their daily existence. Skin issues, scalp issues, tissue issues. And the reason that that stream is the way that it is is not because necessarily there's a lot of poverty. That's part of it. One of the reasons the stream is the way it is is because there's no practices or systems built to clean the water and keep it clean. There's nothing that keeps it from becoming disgusting and filthy and unhealthy. And so a lot of times for us, as we go into this next year, we do need a bigger picture, a better picture on top of the box. But the other thing is, we need to figure out how is it that we're going to put together the life that we have? What are the systems, practices, and habits that we're going to use so that living water flows out of our life rather than sewage? Because both are possible. What are the things we put in place so that these things stay clean? And a lot of this has to do with your personality. Like for me, this whole idea of puzzle making, my wife is a very linear, straightforward thinker. So she's going to start by putting up the boundary. Say, okay, we're going to get all this in line, and then we're going to fill in the middle. Me, again, I probably would just start grabbing pieces and sticking them together, and then I'd get bored and go do something else. Uh, I think really and truthfully, uh, a newly married or soon-to-be-married couple should be asked to put a puzzle together together before they're ever allowed to get married. Because you'll find out exactly, or no, 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 forget puzzles. A couple that wants to get married should be asked to put Ikea furniture together. Because if you can survive that, I mean, pretty much anything else is going to be pretty easy after that. It's all about this personality. It's all about the strategy we use going about how do we put together the pieces of our life in this coming year. We've got the top of the box settled. What do we do with all the pieces? And Jesus is instrumental in teaching us how to do this once again. In Matthew chapter 11, he says this, Come to me, all you that are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus does the work and teaches us how to keep going and how to put together the pieces of our life. There's a couple things that will have to happen before we can actually do that. But so uh, before Todd starts playing, I'm going to give you one of these, and then we'll get to the second one. The first thing that starts happening is this. We have to learn to look at the pieces of our puzzle a little bit differently. Learn to look at the pieces of the puzzle a little bit differently. So when Paul is writing about how our lives actually change, he says, if you want to be transformed, you be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Most of what we're going to do in this next year is going to be to learn to think differently about the things that are actually happening in our life. 
Because if we want to act differently in this coming year, if we want to have better, healthier practices going into 2019, usually what we're going to have to do is learn to think differently about our life. I love this. I'll talk to people who say, you know, I want to get healthier this year, so I've just promised myself when I go to Portillo's, I'm just going to have the salad instead of the beef sandwich. However, they still order the cake shake after that. And they're like, well, it cancels it. No, it doesn't cancel it out. It's a, it's a vat of cake and milk and chocolate. It doesn't cancel anything out. So we have to start, and it is so good, dude, so good. We have to start thinking differently about the pieces and the puzzle that we're putting together for this coming year. So some of what we might need to do this year is spend some time with the stories of Jesus. Spend as much time as possible learning how Jesus lived his life so that we might begin to live our life the same way. How did Jesus deal with people who wanted him dead? There were people who would just have rather seen Jesus die than anything else. So do you have people who don't like you? I mean, none of you guys do. I do, but none of you guys do. That's it's not something you have to deal with. What do we do with the people who don't like us? What do we do with the people we don't like or we don't understand? Jesus' life gives us this map of thinking differently about the people that are part of our puzzle. So spending time with him could be a great way to learn how to think differently about our lives. The second thing that's good for us is, um, it's a little practice I like to do when I go to the grocery store. So if you go to Jewel or wherever you shop, uh, get all your stuff, get the stuff that you're buying, and then as you come to the checkout counter, find the longest line and get in the back of it. Find the line where somebody's paying with like, they've got like a stack of coupons and they're paying with like quarters and dimes and pennies. And get in the back of that really long line. You'd be amazed the things that we learn about our lives when we're forced to wait. Some of it is just us learning to be patient with the pieces of our puzzle. Learning to be patient with the people who are part of our lives. So it really begins with us learning to think differently about the pieces of our life. The second thing we do is we need to rest in the pieces that we have. We need to rest in the pieces that we have. Because one of the challenges that we have when we look at our life is we would say, I would love to change, but I need a different life than I have right now. It would be so much easier for me to live into the top of the box that God has painted if my life was different, if I had a different spouse, or if I had a different job or if it's a different situation. Here's what I know. God is going to change your life based on the life you have, not on the life you don't have. God is going to begin with the pieces that are already in our box. Rather than giving us an entirely different puzzle, he's going to say, these are the pieces of your life. Let's work with that. Let's work with what is already there, and that's where we're going to begin. And just to rest in the fact that that's enough. What we have is the life that God can take and build into something beautiful. What we have is the life that God is going to use to change ourselves, our families, and our worlds. And that process feels dangerous and it feels vulnerable, but we can listen to the scriptures and listen to Hebrews where it says, Be content with what you have, for God has said, I will never leave you or forsake you, no matter what pieces are in your box. So we can say with confidence, The Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. What can anyone do to me? We rest in the pieces we have because God will take care of us no matter what. Even if these pieces are broken and fractured, even if these pieces are not what we want, God says, I can take that and make you into the person that I have in mind for you to be.
So as we go into 2019, as we start thinking about what is it that God is calling us to be this year, part of it's going to be us just realizing these are the pieces we have and God is going to meet us there. Because the other problem then becomes we look at other people's puzzles and we go, I like theirs better. Like I got this 750 piece, they got like a 1500. And their life looks easier. And they don't have the addiction that I have or the, the mental health issues that I have or the family issues that I have. So here's my, I'm just going to take one of their pieces and put it in mine, which all good puzzle people know is never going to work because that belongs in their puzzle, not in yours. And what happens is we end up overextending ourselves, trying to do too much, trying to make it fit. When God is saying, just rest in the fact that you have everything you need. And one of the ways we can be comforted in that is by having just a frank conversation with God. One of the things about prayer that's so beautiful is that God invites us to talk about things as they are, to be honest with him. The best prayers in the Bible are ones that are angry and frustrated and sad because that's where we find ourselves. Last year for my family and I has been massive change. And one of the things that has been so important for me is just the ability to do what Jesus did. The Bible says that Jesus often withdrew to deserted places, to quiet places, and he prayed. Why did Jesus have to pray? So he'd keep painting the right picture for the top of the box. So that he would continue to live with the pieces God had given him to build this beautiful picture that we would all step into. Maybe this year, the best thing that you can do going into 2019 is to cultivate a habit of prayer where you sit down with God and say, what is going on? And how do we put the pieces together? That simple. What in the world is going on here? And how do we put these pieces together? And I believe God will shape the picture of your life from the life that you have into the image on the top of the box in a way that you can't possibly imagine. So my question for you as we close is this. What's the picture on the top of your box? Maybe you've got the Tums munching God with the lightning bolts. Jesus says, I have no idea who that person is. Or maybe it's a God who's not even there, is distant, absent. When you look at Jesus, you see the good news of who God really is. That God is Christ-like. That God looks like Jesus. And Jesus invites us to be a part of that bigger story. So what's the picture on top of your box? And what are the pieces that you have? What are the pieces of your puzzle right now? What are the pieces of your life as it is, not as you wish it was? God doesn't need you to be perfect before he turns you into something beautiful. God makes beautiful things out of dust. He can make beautiful things out of us. I'm going to take communion here in a minute, but what I would love to ask you to do is, after you take the elements, there are going to be boxes of pieces. The pieces of Henry VIII and his wives. And they're going to be at various spots up here up front. What I would love for you to do before you leave today is just take a piece and take it with you so that as you go into this coming year, put this in some place where you're going to see it, where you'll be able to look at it and reflect on it. 
And just remember, the picture on the top of the box is enough to pull you through February and beyond. And that it's exactly what you need to have the life that God has in mind for you. Father, thank you that you work with us as we are. You rescue us as we are. You love us and choose us as we are, not as we should be. And if anything, if anything reminds us of that, it is the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. So we go into this year confident in the beauty of who you are, the fact that we have been chosen and worthy of being chosen, and that the pieces of our life are exactly what we need this year to become the folks you have in mind for us to be. Thank you again for the good news that this is true. Bless us as we put the pieces together. It's in Jesus' name we pray.